it was finding finding other Catholics, finding other Catholic men who loved the faith and, and practiced the faith and were passionate about the faith was, was huge for me. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm Robert, and normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer. So why don't you pour yourself a pint and listen in over the next little while while we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to be a part of the conversation, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Like I said, normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer, but unfortunately I still seem to be flying somewhat solo. Dennis is still home with some health issues, but I'm still happy to report that he's convalescing well and recuperating nicely, and he does hope to return to the Pints and Pews podcast in the next month or so. It would be great if you could leave a quick prayer comment or message via the Facebook page, and I'll make sure that it gets to Dennis. And I know for a fact that the prayers have been sustaining him throughout his illness. And again, like I said, flying somewhat solo, but still wanting to be a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer, I'd like to introduce you to our guest this week on the Pints and Pews podcast. K. Albert Little, along with his wife, is an evangelical convert to Catholicism. They live in Kitchener, Ontario, with their three children, a cat and a dog. As the cordial Catholic, he has been blogging about his adventure with the Catholic faith since 2014, a passion that morphed into the Cordial Catholic Podcast in 2019. In both his writing and his podcast, K. Albert Little, The Cordial Catholic, seems to, seeks to cordially, not seems to, he seeks to, he does more than seems to do this, he does do it quite well, he seeks to cordially explain why he's Catholic and what it means to be Catholic with clarity, love, and humility to non-Catholics, new Catholics, and for Catholics like myself, who want to dig deeper into their faith. In his years of blogging and podcasting, The Cordial Catholic has hosted a litany of great Catholic speakers, including many household names like Scott Hahn, Jimmy Aiken, and Steve Ray, and most recently, Terry Polakovic, Jeffrey Pinion, and Michael Dauphiné. This evening, The Cordial Catholic has humbled himself to join us or to join myself here on the Pines and Pews podcast. So Keith, welcome. How are you doing this evening? <laughs> Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation and that and that lovely introduction. I normally have to write those myself. So I really appreciate uh, such a warm welcome. <laughs> well, I, I have to say you did write it yourself. I pinched it off your website. So <laughs> Oh, that, 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 that was your handiwork. And I have to apologize right off the bat to our, our listeners. Uh, Keith and I were talking a little bit just before we got started. Um, and first week back to school, and I do teach in French immersion, so I spend my days speaking in French. So if I seem to stumble over a word or two here, uh, it's because my, my brain's frantically scrambling trying to translate from, from one to the other. So. But Robert, Robert, you, you pronounce Dauphiné exactly appropriately. I don't know if you heard me try and pronounce it. I, I was practicing beforehand and I got live with that guest, uh, Dr. Dauphiné, and I, I couldn't make my mouth say it. And I said, you know, my, my, 
my grade 12 French teacher was going to be rolling in her grave oh, uh, when, no. if she listens to the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. no and, and it's funny how that happens. It's just that your mouth just can't form certain sounds. And try as you might, when you're so used to one language, trying to get your mouth around a, another one is, uh, it's difficult. And then actually, when I saw it written out, it wasn't written, I mean, it's written the way it's pronounced, Dauphiné, but that wasn't the way I was expecting to see it written. Right. Um, you can write it phonetically a number of different ways in French, uh, but it was a great episode. Great, he's great, great episode. He's a great guy, and he and he, and he humored me as I tried to say his last name. Yeah. I knew how to say it. I mean, I I'm Canadian. Come on, I yeah. I know enough French. To... <laughs> I've listened to to a, a bunch of. I was going to say it seems like I've known you forever. <laughs> We've only just started talking this evening. We we bounced a couple of emails back and forth a week or so ago, but it seems like I've known you forever because I, I came across your podcast about uh, a month and a half ago. So about the middle of July. And when I find a podcast, I like, I binge listen and I had a couple of four hour car rides. So well, I, I know you way more than you know me. <laughs> my apologies. That's the way though. That's what attracted me. And I mean, this can come in if I tell a bit of my story. To, to, to podcasting originally back in the early uh, 2000s when it began to be a thing, you get to know a person so well because it's such an intimate medium. You hear their voice in your ear and you, and you hear them week after week. And so I had that same experience listening to some podcasts and, and part of my journey becoming Catholic is listening to these podcasts and getting to know quote unquote, these Catholic guys so well and their love for the faith. I mean, it's such a fascinating medium uh, to work in, right? It's, it, it's intimate and you get to know a person in, a, I think, a kind of a special way, despite actually not knowing them that well. Oh, ex exactly. And not only is the medium intimate like that, but our faith stories are also such an intimate part of our souls. So when we are putting these out, whether it's the Pines and Pews podcast or the Cordial Catholic podcast, uh, another great Canadian podcaster that I've gotten to know really well over the last year, uh, the Catholic Canuck out of Fort Saskatchewan, out of Edmonton. And you put so much of yourself out there yeah. and you don't realize until you get a little bit of feedback from the listeners, how much that that is appreciated and how much that is needed in our world today. Right? So it, it truly is a blessing to to do what we do and to touch souls like that. Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. But again, a, a lot of talking, uh, great bio, been talking all week. So mouth is getting a little bit dry. So the first question right off the bat, Keith, what are you drinking? Okay. Okay. Robert, this is in deference to you. I, I got a, I got a uh, can here of old flame uh, brewing company. One of my very favorite breweries, it's not the Red, which is my normal, which is my absolute favorite beer of all time, is their, is their Vienna Red award-winning. This is their, their Raven, their Black Lager. And I haven't had this before. I love the I Black thought, Lager. I love the Raven. I got it for you, and I'm going to try it, and I'm going to see how I like it. Well, I, I hope you enjoy it. So open it up, and uh, we'll take a look at that. And while, while you're doing that, I'm going to let you know that uh, in deference to you and because you told me that it is your favorite is I have the old flame red Vienna lager. It's actually one of my favorites as well. It's one of my, my favorite summer beers. I have oh, to yes. say the Raven, I maybe more for me more in the winter because it's a, a much fuller yeah, it's beer. It's getting cooler. It's getting cooler. We'll give this a pour as well. 
here. Uh, I found I, I, I did share actually the owner of the old flame brewery is a neighbor of mine. And I did share with him uh, that the red, you had said the red is one of your favorites, if not your favorite. Uh, he was very pleased to hear that. Now, so. if he wants to sponsor my show, you can just give him my email address uh, directly and we can. Uh... There we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a little chat with him the next time uh, I meet him out walking the dog you know, in the afternoon. I first met that red, uh, my brother-in-law. He He's a fantastic lover of beer. He has a little beer club um, in, where he lives, which is a, a, about an hour and a bit from where, where my wife and I live here. And uh, so he knows all the, the fantastic beers and 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 gifted me one summer afternoon at a cottage, one of those, the, the red, the, those, the Vienna reds. And I, and I, I drank it and I thought, this is what I've been waiting for. This yeah. is, this <laughs> like, is one you, of the beer that I've been looking for. It's, it's like, for, wow. For a while. And, and I've stuck with it and we couldn't get it for a long, long time. It wasn't available anywhere near us. So it's finally, they've actually opened up a brewery, um, second location in my parents' hometown. Okay, well then uh, I have to share. That's my hometown. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I know exactly. I I used to do archival work in the second story of the old Flame Brewery in Newmarket. That's the old fire hall. <laughs> no way. Yeah. yeah. You know the joke is that everyone knows everybody else in Canada, and I think that we're just unfortunately going to get a feed into that stereotype real <laughs> bit. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, so the point the point of that story was that now I can get this beer quite easily because uh, I go see my parents, my folks, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law live in the area, and uh, and they keep their their fridges well stocked for me when I when I visit. So. Nice. Well, then what we'll have to do is the next time you're heading that way is we'll we'll try to hook up and meet up in person. Oh, that'd be fantastic. But again, the the beer is getting warm. And the, the mouth is getting drier and drier. So we'll say grace before beer so we can have our first sip. Let's do it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers. Cheers. First sip, is all, first sip is always the best. What do you think uh, of the raven? It's, it's got about a 10-foot head on it here. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> there's so much There's so much uh, froth on top, but I, I got through it, and it's absolutely delicious. That's really... That's a, it's a great fall winter beer. I'm thinking this is a good fall beer for me, Robert. I think uh, I like this quite a bit for the weather outside right now. They, they also do an amazing coffee stout for those oh. cold, dark January days. So, <laughs> you know, you'll have to make sure that gets into your, your parents' fridge for, for will, you too. I will. I'm going to give them a call tonight. And so you were saying it's your brother that kind of has like a little beer club. Yeah, my, my brother-in-law. Door. Yeah, brother-in-law okay. has a as a beer fellowship, he calls it. And so prior to COVID, it was quite active. They got together with about 10 guys or so uh, pretty regularly for beer tastings, mostly. So um, most of the good beers I found have been through those beer tastings or through his wide beer knowledge. And he actually, 
also he's a bit of a bit of a handyman, bit of a a, a carpenter, aspiring carpenter. He actually makes uh, beer paddles that you'd put the little for little you know the oh, for the flights of beer. Yeah, for a flights of beer. Yeah, he makes little paddles in his woodworking shop there and sells those actually, um, and makes it quite a good little side business now. Before COVID, this was a, it was a popular wedding uh, gift you'd give for your your groomsmen or something, right? Or you buy them for the table at a wedding. So it slowed down, but uh, yeah, he's he's quite connected into the beer world in Ontario as a result of doing that and his little beer club. So. I'll, I'll have to get his contact info from you afterwards because I think I might want to uh, hit him up and send him some business and get some nice pints and pews beer paddles set up for us that's a fantastic idea i I think that that would be great now you're in kitchener and thinking of of beer culture and and beer fraternities this would normally be a big beer week in kitchener uh, oktoberfest and the 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 german heritage i remember going out to kitchener uh, as a young boy 10 11 years old Um, my dad's best friend was austrian and so we would head out, we'd have to head out to Oktoberfest. And, you know, as, as a 10, 11 year old, like something like that, you're just like, wow, yeah, this is, this is cool. And this big beer hall it was actually at the Transylvania club. So I would spend most of my time looking for the vampires in the corners. Um, <laughs> never, never, never found one. But you're talking about your, your brother-in-law and his, his, his beer fraternity that they would get together. And that's something too, that kind of was how the Pints and Pews started is Dennis and I would get together with a group of like-minded gentlemen over a beer. We would talk the faith. We would actually call ourselves the pint, the pipe and the cross after GK Chesterton's great quote. So I wanted to ask you, do, you know, where you are, do you have a, a, a faith and fellowship, a, a beer fraternity or some, some guys that you kind of, you know, you talk the faith over a beer every so often. Yeah, you know what? Not so much anymore. There was quite—I mean, COVID's thrown those things for a bit of a loop lately. I, there was when I was becoming Catholic. When I was—I mean, I have an evangelical background. I was looking into the Catholic faith. I—I I kind of fell into this group of of guys that was just just like that, right? We, the the priest. There's a priest who was kind of our 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 mentor and director of the group, and. We get together and uh, get some pizzas or some subs or some wings and meet in the parish hall on a Friday night and have a, a round of beer and and just chew on the faith. And I got to tell you, that for me was my in- introduction to, to Catholic men as, as friends. Some of my first Catholic ma- male friends, my first Catholic friends yeah. 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 as an adult were, were I made through this group. And that was eye-opening for me because in my in my journey I didn't really know any Catholics and I certainly didn't know Catholics that practiced the faith and so here I was kind of stumbling into this group kind of by accident um, and they welcomed me in and I was like hey this, here's actual guys who are actually practicing Catholics and, and they're fun and they're, and yeah. they're cool and they <laughs> and they love and they love and they know their faith and that for me was a real revelation because I didn't know that kind of thing existed right I, I thought the Catholic Church was kind of a dead religion and the people that practiced it were kind of just walking through the paces and here were actual people right getting together who, who loved their faith and knew it and 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 were a lot of fun so yeah kind of, kind of I, against the stereotypical <laughs> grain of what people think the catholic faith is all about they were it's, it's we're not all sour saints yeah 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 right? <laughs> and, and it, it's 
Neat. I'm just going to, to pick up on, you mentioned that there, you had a priest was there as well, that the pastor was there as well. And I have to mention, as we're, we are recording this, September 9th, the, the Feast of St. Peter Claver, but September 9th is also international by a priest of beer day. Oh, <laughs> right. So uh, by the time I get this edited and, and get it out, it's obviously going to be a little too late, but I don't think many priests will say no if you know, you bring them a, a belated pint. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they'll mind. <laughs> and and it, it is such an important part of our faith development. And like you're saying, it grew into your faith or you grew into the faith and your fellowship through this group of gentlemen. Now, was there a specific format or was it just come and hang out and wherever the topics range, that's where they went? Yeah, there were different things discussed for a while. There were some books discussed for a while. We do a bit of a Bible study. Uh, so there was usually, usually some kind of topic or some kind of study series we'd follow, but it was always start with, it started with mass. Well, the rosary, I got to tell you, uh, my, my very first introduction really one of my first introductions to the rosary where I began to kind of take it seriously was walking into this beautiful church we have downtown here in Kitchener, St. Mary of the Seven Sorrows. It's one of the oldest churches in the area. It's this big giant mm-hmm. brick, you know, uh, Gothic revival kind of church. It's beautiful. I, I walked in there and I, I first encountered in front of the high altar there in the first row of pews, say 20 or so guys on their knees praying the rosary. And there were there were doctors, lawyers, police officers, plumbers, electricians, teachers, professors, all all walks of life, all all different ethnicities, all different backgrounds, praying the rosary. And I I as evangelical would do walked into Catholicism kind of skeptical of Mary and the rosary, mm-hmm. and and this it was so visceral. It was okay. There's something to this because here are these guys on their knees, like they really mean this, all sorts of walks of life, different backgrounds, intelligent guys praying the rosary here. And that was my first kind of, okay, I got to look more into this thing because there's something to this if these people are are this passionate about it, right? So, And and there's something about that physical witness of guys being down on their knees. Yeah, yeah, seeing that it was so humbling. So it was that, it was the rosary, it was mass, and then it was somebody would choose some local place to get something from, whether it was pizza or, or subs or, or fish and chips or something and, uh, and some beers. And then we'd have a little study of a, a book of the Bible or, or a, a Catholic nonfiction book or something we'd, we'd look at basically was, was the format. And, and I miss it. It kind of it petered out. The, the priest who was running it um, was an Anglican ordinariate priest. So he was okay, attached yep. to, to our local um anglican ordinariate congregation and they moved him down to the states because that congregation kind of began to dwindle and uh that kind of began the unwinding of the group I meaning it, it had, didn't have a place to meet anymore so I, I miss it i loved it it was it was really amazing uh, uh no no pun intended but men are thirsting <laughs> for faith and fellowship yeah and you know what it, it was yeah it's one of those things that again i think going back to my faith journey it was finding finding other Catholics, finding other Catholic men who loved the faith and, and practiced the faith and were passionate about the faith was, was huge for me in, d- in digging deeper into the Catholic faith and becoming Catholic and, and, and loving the faith too, right? You, you can't do that in a, in a vacuum. You've mentioned a couple of times your own, own faith story. 
And again, this is usually the part that Dennis likes to take over. I always say he likes to unleash his inner Marcus Grodi, right? <laughs> and I believe, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but you did have Marcus Grodi on the Cordial Catholic. Yeah, I did. And I've been on his show as well. So we've both been on each other's shows. Have you ever met Marcus in person? I have. I've, 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 I flew down to, uh, to Zanesville, Ohio. Oh, yeah, nice. I took a little, I took a little, uh, a short leave, uh, from my full-time job, a short unpaid leave to fly down there for a couple of days. And, uh, met him, filmed an episode of the journey home, which was gosh, was surreal for me because I'd watched that show as part of my own journey in becoming Catholic. And what, what I did <laughs> was I just chose kind of my favorite episodes and rewatched them and kind of wrote down what I liked about the format that the guests, like, you know, their, their, their structure of their story and how they, it turns out that nobody rehearses their story. I didn't know that, but I was, I had practiced mine. I'd memorized mine. I had, I'd written notes. I had, you know, I'd timed it to make sure it would fit with the one commercial break they take. And I was so overprepared. Uh, I it was it was laughable, but that was a, a surreal experience for me because I you know, I'd watched that show um, and heard other stories of becoming Catholic, and here I was then on on the thing, right? Yeah, and, and you see, you take an unpaid leave. You know, some things are you can't put a dollar sign on, all right? And that kind of an experience and being with Marcus Groda and sharing your story like that. So I guess we can just then skip over this segment of the show and we can just tell people, go look up, you know, yeah. the, the cordial yeah. Catholic K Albert little on um, the journey home. And uh, we'll just pause for the next 15, 20 minutes while you go listen to that. And, <laughs> no, That's an, it's an hour long. So I don't know if they, if they want to listen to that whole thing. Well, and maybe we'll just have a couple more beers while we're, yeah. while they're listening to that. Yeah. Right. Um, so no, let, let's say in, in, in 10 to 15 minutes, the, the Coles notes version, but like I say, I feel like I know you and I feel like I, I know your story. I've listened to your very first episode two or three times now because I wanted to get to know your story, which you, you tell in that, that first episode, which is kind of like a, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's like a, a, a chicken and the egg kind of story is the way I like to, to, to look at that. And I, I, I have a feeling you'll share a little bit about that. But yeah, I'll step back from the microphone for a little bit. I still have to make a comment here, here or there. But uh, what is Kay Albert Little's, what's Keith's faith story? What's your journey home? Okay, okay. So that first episode is, it was an egg, it's a goose egg, okay? Because that first episode is just so terrible. (laughs) I can't, I, I, I first started doing this podcast. I'll just say this real fast. With recording equipment I used to use when I was in high school and record like email music in my in my my bedroom with my guitar i had this really old analog mixer and over again the podcast i dusted that I got, I got that box from the attic and began using that stuff and so the sound quality i can't listen to those first episodes of the podcast because they're just so they're so rough it makes me just cringe i want to go back and re-record them but those first steps are are always the wobbly ones yeah but you can't be running if you don't take those first steps. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. so what that's got true. you to those for to, right. to get to getting the cordial Catholic out there? Yeah, well, so I, I, I grew up, I grew up kind of nominally nominally Christian, right? It was the Easter sometimes uh, loose understanding of who Jesus was, and I, a very moral household, but not not religious, not not going to church regularly, and. 
I kind of became evangelical Christian, which I was at first was in late uh, mid high school. Um, a very good friend of mine was evangelical Christian and kind of helped me uh, when I had those questions, but those bigger life questions kind of helped me find who Jesus was and answer those questions uh, with Christian answers. And so I was happily evangelical for for quite a while, from about age 15 till, till about age 30 or so. And very happy in my faith. I, I was connected to a variety of different churches. I um, I went to a Pentecostal church, went to some Baptist churches. In university, I got hooked up to a really, really vibrant uh, student church. It used to be out here in Waterloo at the University of Waterloo called the Embassy. It was a very hip, uh, hip student church. It meet on Monday nights, and it was geared towards university students. It met in, actually met in the pub on campus. Uh, it, the pub part was closed on the Monday, and so they met in there. And I can still remember, I had a, a friend who was a year older than me who kind of got me who told me about this thing called the embassy. It was kind of this, this underground secret, right? This really cool student church on campus. And she took me there. And we, we get there and there's this enormous line, the kind of line you'd see for like a, a really cool band being in town, right? And I thought, this is amazing. This is for a church? Like, what's going on here? Just went around the block. It was huge. And went inside and there was just this outrageous music. It was amazing. And the pastor came out with these big dreadlocks and uh, he's bald now, which is ironic, but he had these huge dreadlocks at the time. It, it's sad and, how that happens to the best of us, right? <laughs> it, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was just so cool. And I thought, wow, this is it. And so God connected deeply into that church and university, right? Which is, I think is awesome because a time when a lot of people lose their faith in university and ask questions and, and, go, and go astray from the faith that they used to love, I, I doubled down in this community and just absolutely loved it. So... Met my wife there, plugged in deeply there. Um, I was involved in everything from sound design to lighting crew to set up and tear down. And we eventually got married and were um, then kind of shifted our, our focus into the the family church that was that was connected to this the student church. They what happened was the students kind of aged out, and so the pastor started a family church for those who are getting too old to be students anymore. And so he, and I, he was just changing, yeah. he was changing the message or changing the format yeah. to, to meet his congregation. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So, so the student church continued and he, and he moved into the role in the family church basically. And my wife and I got, got married there and, and plugged in deeply there and into everything you can imagine from, from the missions team, coordinating missions groups overseas to the to a, a marriage and family team we used to help run a couple's night once a month for for marriage um uh what would you call it for for marriage strengthening groups and stuff like you know these these couples ministries and things we did all kinds of things and it was actually um just before we got married a couple of years before I got married, I was between my undergrad and my and my teaching degree. I was interning at the student church, and it was a pastor that was there for a couple of years. Like, between pastors, he wasn't the the first pastor with the dreadlocks. This was a a French Canadian pastor from Montreal who grew up Catholic. He was now an evangelical pastor, and he was the pastor of the student church. And I was interning there, and uh, little did I know he was doing his a master's degree at, uh, at Tyndale, which is a evangelical seminary down in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was asking a lot of questions about his own heritage, his own, his own faith heritage as being raised Catholic. And, and 
I was his springboard. It turns out I have learned in hindsight some some of these questions. So he's still uh, he's still a Protestant pastor. He's actually back in Montreal now. But I was I he began for me a really interesting journey, uh, and it began with him calling me into his office one day, and sitting me down at his desk, and he said to me, he said Keith, I got a question for you. What's more important, the Bible or tradition? And I went. I, I, evangelical here, right? I went, well, it's the Bible. If the Bible or Jesus is the answer to every question in Sunday school, well, what is, what is tradition? I don't even know what that even is. It's mm-hmm. the Bible. And he gets a smile on his face and, you know, in, in this very French Canadian accent, he said, well, well, who put the Bible together? And I, and I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> Because my, you know, and it wasn't as if, and I'd taken classes in in church history and stuff at an undergrad level. I had a history degree. It wasn't in church history. It was in contemporary um, Canadian history. But I, I I knew some things about the church and the Bible, but I hadn't really thought about that question before. I, I got a Bible. I I had it. I read it. I I knew it very well. I knew the contents of it, but I hadn't thought about who put it together. Right. I I yeah, yeah. right right. So it was a it was a a really poignant question for me. And I you thought, know, and I had never thought about that question either until I started teaching biblical, the- biblical <laughs> theology for, for lack of a better way of yeah. saying it, you know, my grade nine religion class, we do Bible study. Well, what is the Bible? Where did it yeah. come from? Right. right. So e- even as Catholics, cradle Catholics, it's not something we've ever really thought about either. So, okay. So you, you started thinking about this question and yeah, well, and then I had to answer it. Right. So he left me hanging there with that with that question, just hanging out there. And I thought, well, what in the world am I going to do now? And I left there kind of shell shocked. And it began for me kind of a slow a slow journey to answer that question, right? So I began thinking about the tradition, what, what tradition was to begin with, because as an evangelical, tradition was often associated with the the Pharisees, like the things that Jesus came to tear down in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Those mm-hmm. those man made traditions, right? And of course. We had always associated that with with Catholics, right? Catholics do these things that that look like what the Pharisees do. They repeat prayers. They wear certain things in certain ways. It it looks very ritualistic to to us. And I don't think I really had an anti-Catholic, like overt bias. But I kind of like to say that the air I breathed was just anti-Catholic by nature. There was this just... There was, okay, Catholics are the other guys. They're the Pharisees. They're doing tradition. And we're not like that. We're the ones that are saved by faith and have a relationship with Christ and are practicing biblical Christianity. And it never was really overt. It was just in the, in the air we breathe. It it's just, the, the, it's the, just the bubble that you're in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and in the same way, I always say, I've lived most of my life in a Catholic bubble. I went to Catholic elementary school. I went to Catholic high school. I had four years of secular university, and then I'm back teaching in a Catholic school. So I understand what you're saying, just the other bubble, not yeah. the evangelical bubble. Yeah, yeah. So so that question began to, to make force me to ask questions about tradition and the Bible, right? And, and when I began to dig into that, I first began to question my own tradition, right? So, okay, so I'm evangelical. I go to church, and what we do is we... We, uh, we sing some songs, we call it worship music, and then the pastor comes and he prays, we sing some more songs, comes back, he prays, worship team goes off the stage while he's praying, and then he gives a 45-minute sermon, we sing some more songs, and we leave. And I thought, okay, well, where does that tradition come from? Because that's a tradition of what a Sunday morning service looks like. Where does that come from? And I, I began to dig into that, first of all, and realize that 
well, there's no nothing in the Bible that says this is how you do it. So why do we do it this way? And, and that kind of became what, one of my early big questions. And then I began to look at what else in the Bible we do or don't do. And I, I found things like, like, like confession and like things like the idea of, of binding and loosing and these things that I went, well, how do we understand this as Protestants? You know, I, I began to, I, I've, I've learned since my, my paradigm, right. Began to start, start to shift. And these, mm-hmm. these questions that I had, I, I didn't see these things before as being issues. Right. I read my Bible a lot and didn't see those passages. Right. Or I went to church on a Sunday and didn't, didn't question how it was formatted or didn't question where the Bible came from, but the, asking these questions began to be kind of a pebble in my shoe. And I'm walking around thinking, well, this, you know, this, I'm happy in my evangelical faith, but, but these questions are nagging at me now. I, I don't understand. I don't know how I can trust the Bible because I don't really know where it came from. Or if I, or if I, if I do, it seems like the, the, the Catholic church put it together and, and why do we trust them to put the Bible together? And it, it began to really work on me. And I, I wondered about, about what, what to do. And I thought, well, it seems like, Robert, it seems like the Catholic Church put the Bible together. I kind of got there, right? Because it happened in these councils, guys called yeah. bishops voting on these things to, to affirm what goes into the canon of the Bible. And and books were left out. Books were, they said, none of these books don't don't belong in here. And and as a as a Protestant, I'm trusting, I'm trusting in that process, right? So I thought, well, okay, is there something to the, the, the Catholic faith here? Should I should I look into this? And one of the things I did, that it's it's funny in hindsight, um, was that I I googled, um, I googled. God bless Google. Yeah, <laughs> I googled Protestants becoming Catholic, and I, I and I thought really that no one ever did this. I thought there's no way that Protestants would become Catholic because, right, Catholics do tradition, they do ritual, they it's not it's not a living, breathing faith like my evangelical faith is, right? I have, and also I think because I think one of the largest groups within the Protestant denominations of Christianity are former Catholics. Yeah. So you, yeah. I think you're more used to it as Catholics going the other way Yeah. Exactly. and not the salmon swimming upstream. Yeah, exactly. And all the Catholics that I, all, all the Catholics that I knew were, were former Catholics, right. In large part who would say things like that. Yeah. It's just a ritual. I, I left the faith to get a relationship with Christ instead of this ritualistic stuff. Right. They'd say these things. And, and I, I put that into Google and I got a bunch of results. These guys that you mentioned, Scott Hahn, Steve yeah. Ray, uh, um, Thomas Howard, the late Thomas Howard, who, who you know, rest in peace. He was a, a genius, a, a huge guy in, in that movement. And I realized that that people, G.K. Chesterton, I realized that people became Catholic from a really, from a place of deep understanding and love of the Protestant faith, became Catholic. And so I began to read their stories and it began to uh, to snowball from there, right? I read I read Scott Hahn, Scott and Kimberly Hahn's uh, "Rome Sweet Home," which is their kind of conversion story. He was a Presbyterian minister, uh, you know. He was, and he still is, just a dynamic Bible scholar. Like, he is an absolute genius. His library is has got is has tens of thousands of books in it, and he's read them all. And it it's 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 amazing. He's so well read. Became Catholic. And I read his book actually three times in a row. I read it once. I finished it. I started it right over again. Read it again, and then got home. And from our trip, I was I brought it with uh, with me and read it a third time because I couldn't believe what I was reading. That people actually this learned, this intelligent in their Protestant faith became Catholic. And so, 
I began uh, I began late at night uh, before we had kids. My wife would go to bed around 10, 11 o'clock, and I'd be up till three in the morning um, binging videos on and lectures on YouTube. Uh, it was YouTube was a new thing at the time. It was so fascinating and so fantastic. And so I would just sit on there for hours, just watching hours and hours of, of lectures from Catholics all about the faith. And I was learning all these things. My my paradigm was just completely sh- completely shifting, right? And and I began to see that the, the practice of the faith since the beginning, since the beginning of the of the church is is to my mind best best carried forward in the Catholic faith. Like things like the Eucharist and belief that Jesus is really present in the Eucharist. Things like confession and, and the succession of the apostles and, and the priesthood and, and bishops and the and the papacy, the Pope, right? All these things, all these things, and even the weird things like relics, like the veneration <laughs> of relics and saints and and martyrdom and these these kind of bizarre, really, really strange Catholic things and apparitions and these strange miracles. These things are present from the very beginning and really carry forward in the best representation in Catholicism. And I, and I, and I realized in the midst of my journey that if I'm going to continue to not be Catholic, I had to have good reasons why I'm not Catholic because you had to convince yourself. Yeah. 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 It, It became really a study. And I've heard this too, from other people I've had in my show who are converts it really becomes a study of history rather than actual mm-hmm. theology or or biblical theology or or scripture. You 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 see through through history, the history of the, of Christianity, the history of the church. You can trace out the succession of the apostles, for example. And if you believe from scripture that Christ founded the an actual church and established the apostles and that gave them the power to bind and lose, which is right there in scripture and, and pass that authority on at when they, when they um, expand the church or when they pass away before they die. If you believe that it's a matter of history, just to kind of trace, trace that out. And you see at say the reformation, you see a clear break from that. There's a clear break from, from, <laughs> Yeah. That tradition. Well, it's that's what I've heard from a, a number of different converts. Is yeah. it's almost like a, an ancestry project, no, ancestry.ca or ancestry.com, but yeah. that that's <laughs> seeking out your Christian ancestry. And yeah. as you're sharing that story, I'm, I'm thinking of Steve Ray's conversion story and his mission. His what he was looking to do. He's he wanted to belong to the church that Christ founded. And his mission was, we're going to create a Protestant church, an evangelical church, but we're going to base it on all of the norms that Christ gave us. And the more he dug into how to found a church that went back to the beginning, went back to Jesus, the more he realized it already existed in the Catholic church. Yeah, yeah. And that just yeah. ended, that, that blows that blew his mind and it blows my mind. And sometimes for guys like myself, who's a cradle Catholic, we don't realize what we have. And it takes guys like yourself that are, are converts and that have done all of the legwork. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I've done that legwork and that brings it back to us and, and it helps us realize what we have. So how is this faith foundation, this growth of started off with, like I said, chicken or the egg, you know, scripture or tradition, 
from that moment, and as you went on this journey of discovery of the Catholic faith, how has that set you up then for the cordial Catholic? Well, I think that the, so Marcus Grodi, close to the journey home, describes it as, you know, using the, the pearl of great price uh, parable that, that Christ uh, gives us in the gospels, right? The idea that you find this thing in the field, you sell everything in, to buy this field, right? Because you found this this amazing thing in the field. And that's really, that's really, I think, the Catholic conversion experience for so many of us converts, right? You, you, you find this incredible thing and it just, it, it, you want to give everything away to, to get this thing and then share that with everybody else, right? It's this thing that, and often it's a thing that was there all along. You just saw parts of it or pieces of it, right? I mean, we, we read the, the accounts of, of Mary in the gospels and we, we read those passages from, from the gospels and we didn't, didn't see it there, right? But you, you find that and suddenly, okay, I'm, I want to, just I want to dig deeper into this. I want to sell everything and buy this field to, to read more about this thing, right? To dig deeper in the Catholic faith. And so I think that that mentality, that wanting to just keep digging deeper, um, has set me down this road and, and set me up for doing this podcast and this show because I want to know more about the faith. And I want to know more about all these different things. And you know, I, I had this great guy called Jeffrey Pinion on on the podcast, and I have part two of his coming out shortly as Thank well you. on Thank the you. mass. Yeah. Yeah. On the mass. And he, he absolutely blew my mind. I mean, I've read books on the mass. I've written about the mass before. I've had podcasts about the mass, but he takes us, I mean, like 10 levels deeper and it just, it's absolutely, I mean, we spend like half an hour on the sign of the cross. Yeah. No, the, yeah, no, the, I, yeah, I, you know, the, that, that was, that was three drives into work. Yeah. That episode. The, the, <laughs> and, and I have to share too, because it's just at the tip of my tongue. He's just saying that, Two or three weeks ago, I was giving a retreat on the Mass, now, how to pray the Mass, restoring our love for the liturgy. And I thought I, I thought I had it all. <laughs> I thought I had it all. And then I listened to your conversation with Jeffrey Pinion, and it's like, I know nothing. Well, and the beautiful thing for me in this, in this, this apostle, this ministry, it just, the, the graces are, are, are really abundant and, and really blow me away sometimes right is it he just found me randomly on on twitter one day and and somebody a friend of a friend had shared one of my episodes he, he listened to the show and thought hey this is a cool guy i should i i should meet him and i was looking for i was looking for a guest i i don't have very many very many weeks or, or evening nights that are available anymore they're usually i'm usually booked several months in advance and turning away people which is another grace that i that i experiencing the show the success of it which i blows my mind also but i had this random week that was just open and i couldn't find a guest and i was kind of fretting over what to do with it and he just shows up in my twitter inbox saying hey how's it going love your show and i read his little profile and thought hey this is a cool guy i wonder if he'd be a good guest and he has just blown my socks off with his knowledge of the mass it's it's just it's just insane and there's just one thing right that you can i, I say this in the show with him you could spend a lifetime digging just into the mass itself, just the yeah. mass. You yeah. could dig into that for a complete lifetime because there's, you know, we've done now three hours of episodes of, of, of conversations, him and I together, three full hours, and we barely scratched the surface of what you could talk about in every aspect of the mass. I mean, we didn't even do more than one Eucharistic prayer, and, and there's several of them that you could dig into, right? It's just, yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the next episode that's coming yeah. out then. Okay, yeah, I can't yeah. I can't wait. That'll yeah. be my drive next week. <laughs> that's uh, a good no, one. And, and, like, and we need to know about the Mass. 
because like you guys were talking about in that episode, you know, how many of us are just sleepwalking through it on Sunday morning? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's the piece where you meet those Catholics, those ex-Catholics. Well, yeah, it's just ritual. It's just a religion. It wasn't it wasn't meaningful, it wasn't it wasn't a relationship. Well, yeah. Did you dig into it? Did you dig into what is actually happening there? Did others teach you what's happening there? Because really, you, you know, you 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 learn those things, and, and it rocks your socks off, right? It's absolutely insane. And one thing that's really stuck with me for a long time, I I, I had Scott Hahn on the show, which was an absolutely surreal experience because, of course, I read his book, Becoming Catholic. So speaking to him was was just. I, it was a whole complete out-of-body experience for the entire time. And at the end, he gave me a cell phone number and said, text me whenever you want to chat. And I thought, what is happening here? Like, what's going on in my life? I, I, I would be so it. tongue-tied <laughs> for that. Yeah. But but he said, I asked him the question, you know, are you, you become, you've been Catholic now longer than you've been non-Catholic. Like, cause he, he passed that milestone where he's been, he's a Catholic convert, but he's been Catholic for more of his life than not now. Right. Not and to give his age away his, or anything. Yeah. 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 All of his children are Catholic, his grandchildren, like he's so, and I said to him, are you, are you, are you less enthused about the faith now that you've been Catholic for this, this long? And he said, no, he's every day I'm more enthused and I'm more enthusiastic. And it's, it's this amazing experience that, and I gotta say the same thing, right? I mean, I would, I would, I would think, and I think some of my friends, my close friends, when I became Catholic, thought, yeah, he'll, he'll be excited for a year, and he'll, he'll settle down, and he'll just do the, do the regular thing, and like, right, be like the rest of the Catholics who, who just go through the, the motions. But no, it's you know, it's a, it's a deeply exciting faith, and there's so much to mine, in, in our faith to, to dig deeper into. And so, I mean, I'm blessed being able to do this every week with different guests and, and learn from some of the most amazing minds in, in, in the faith, but it's, it, it doesn't need to slow down or, 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 or wane or, or, or wander, right? It, it, it can, you can be excited and, and deepening the faith every single day. And I think that that's what you know, God wants. And, and the Holy Spirit, I think, is there waiting to say, yeah, you want to go? Okay, okay. let's, let's hit the he'll, gas. He'll keep right? you I have to <laughs> yeah. ask, when do you sleep? Uh, between the hours of about 11 and 5.45. Wow, that, that's more so, than I so thought. With, just... with some interruptions. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, just <sighs> knowing that you teach for a living, right? And, and in some ways, the podcast, you're also teaching still for a living through the podcast. And knowing what has to go in, your, your episodes run about an hour, 20, hour and a half. But I know for that hour and a half of podcast you're putting in probably five or six hours of work yeah. easy if not more i hope i'm not selling you short but just no uh, no no i i you know what one of the blessings of of, of well i've i've put a lot of my own money into this, into this thing to get, to get it to where it is but i i bought some equipment early on that helped it to the, the editing process to settle down to be shorter more efficient because it was you know six hours per episode early on it's a lot of hours though still as you know, as a yep. podcaster and, and the prep and the, I mean, I was up till midnight last night just doing admin work, booking guests and replying to emails and, and making notes on books that I, that I had had to look over for interviews coming up. And uh, my wife says I'm very ambitious. I'm very, I'm very driven. I, I'm very tired also. So. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you're blessed with a wife as wonderful as mine. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think maybe that's the mission that they're called to. That's where the Holy Spirit is calling them is to to help support 
those of us that have the crazy ideas of yeah let's let's do a youtube channel yeah let's do a podcast and um you know but like christ says you have to put out into the deep yeah and you won't catch anything unless you put out into the deep yeah and i had no i had no ambitions and no imagination no no idea this would this would cast out quite so deep i mean it's it's quite the privilege to be the to be receiving you know emails from people all over the world saying hey i heard this on your show and i'm becoming catholic now so thank you it's 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 mind it's mind boggling really that that this thing would be used for in, for anybody to to listen to and enjoy uh much less as a vehicle to to join the fullness of the faith in the catholic church i just it, it it blows my mind sometimes. Well, every time it blows my mind. Still, I I can't believe it, but somehow it's 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 working. I don't yeah, know. The, the the Holy Spirit has a habit of doing that, right? Yeah. Just when when you think you've got it all figured out, yeah. uh, He turns you upside down and and shuffles you around. You were talking about right at the very beginning, as as you were talking about the the cordial Catholic. You shared with Marcus Grodi, you were talking about the, the parable of the, the pearl of, of great price. Yeah. The problem is, is I think in our world today, we really wouldn't understand that parable. The pearl isn't something and the jewels aren't really something that we go after. Uh, take it back to something you were sharing a little bit earlier is you know, when you discovered the old flame red, that became like a pearl of great price. And that was just something. And, and and I'm saying that to kind of laugh and joke, and it's not to take anything away from Christ's parable, but I think that when we go out to evangelize, when we go out to talk to others about Christ, we have to figure out what is their pearl of great price. Yeah, yeah. What is the, the pearl that they're looking for? Now, I really think you found it, like the cordial Catholic. 125 episodes, give or take, published? Yeah, 100, yeah 127 as of the 15th of September. Okay. Uh, 2021 so so and, and many more in the can coming out so they yeah yeah so i i've got my listening work cut out for me to, <laughs> to to get caught up one final question for you here and it has to do with your apostolate with the cordial catholic it's something that catholics really don't have a habit of doing and that's being intentional evangelists going out and intentionally sharing the faith now i'm not saying that as catholics we're all called to podcasts we're all called to youtube channel we're not all called to stand on a soapbox at the corner uh, a lot of times our evangelization needs to be subtle but even in subtility, it still needs, in my mind, I think it needs to be intentional. What's your thought on that? Should Catholics be intentional evangelizers? Yeah, you know what? It's such a it's such a strange thing because where I came from in the evangelical church, I mean, evangelical is right there. It's right there in the name of the, name mm-hmm. of the denomination, right? The name of the, the, the branch of Christianity. That was part of the mission, right? And every every sermon you'd hear on a Sunday morning would be, okay, now go out and and do this go out and, and live this this life and, and show others the the way to christ kind of thing it was very intentional and you don't you don't get that in in the catholic faith overtly but it's there like it's there the the the, the charge at the end of mass is go out and, and evangelize essentially yeah i was going to say it's kind of right? like what, what one of one of 
the closings to the masses, go forth and proclaim the good news. Yeah. yeah, but we don't we don't hear that, I don't think, right? And we don't we don't intentionally equip uh Catholics to evangelize. One of the one of the beautiful bright lights um for me is Sherry Waddell's book, uh, Intentional Disciples, I think it's called, or something like that. Um, I should look it up, but she she was one of the earlier earlier Catholic authors I read and and um just the whole movement of this, right? The idea of becoming intentional disciples. And that to me was a very evangelical language, right? The idea of being a disciple mm-hmm. of Christ, actually knowing your faith and going out and sharing with others. And I read that book early on in my journey after the Scott Hahn and Steve Ray and Thomas Howard books. I read her, her book. I guess I began to dig deeper. And I thought, yes, there is there is a movement in the Catholic faith, not just to go to mass and, and practice your faith, but to live your faith out. And I think the difference I... I I'm understanding historically maybe is that, you know, Catholics used to live in Catholic enclaves, right? You'd have, you'd have the Italian part of town where the Catholics lived and all your neighbors were Catholics. And you'd have the, say the French part of town, all your neighbors were Catholics and part of your, you know, your parish life was your home life. It was all so connected historically. And- I, I, th- I think our house in Newmarket was the French part of town. <laughs> And even then it was only half French. My mom's not French Canadian. So <laughs> fair enough. But, but that, that Catholic is, bubble, yeah. like you were saying, like I was yeah, saying, I grew yeah. up in the, the, the local Catholic school, the local Catholic yeah, high school. And that, yeah, yeah. It's that, that bubble that yeah. we're in all the time. And so th- th- there wasn't really a, a push to evangelize because you were just part of this community. Now as Catholics were spread out, right? There's we're Catholics living in all different places of town and, and all places of, of the world. And, we're not in our own little ghettos or, or, or bubbles or, or enclaves anymore. And, and we've, we've gotten out of the mindset that I think may followed on the heels of Vatican II that you don't have to be Catholic to be, be Christian. It's, it's okay. We can all get along, right? That was a bit of a misunderstanding of what the church intended in some of those reforms in, in the, the late 60s. I think we're coming back around to the fact that, yeah, you know what? The Catholic faith is, is the fullness of the faith. This is what... You know, if we believe this is true, this is what Christ calls all Christians to, all everybody to, and we got to share that. We got to get people excited about that. And so, I don't, I don't think that it necessarily involves standing on a street corner with a Bible and a megaphone, but that that can be good. And there's great apostles that do do that and, and see fruit from that in certain places, right? But I think it involves getting to know your faith, like reading the Catechism, reading your Bible, going mm-hmm. to Mass getting hooked up in the study group, getting parishes to offer study groups, right, on what the Mass is and on the catechism. Uh, normalize that. Make that a normal, normal part, again, of, of the Catholic faith, right? The, the RCIA process, the process to become Catholic, is very, very rigorous, right? You, you, it's, a, it's a nine, ten-month-long process of digging into what the Catholic faith is and what we believe. You, you learn quite a bit in that program, uh, right, so so those people aren't aren't just becoming Catholic on a whim. They have to really understand and deepen their faith. But we got to normalize that across all Catholic parishes. Like make, I, I was just going to say, right? after the yeah. RCIA, then yeah. what? Yeah, then what? right. There, there, there's nothing, yeah. and, and it's this whole the the new evangelization of Saint John Paul the yeah. Second, Saint John Paul the yeah. Great, and that notion that almost we need to re-evangelize ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Get you know, get, get Catholics refired about the Eucharist. You know, refired up with the Eucharist. Like teach Catholics what's happening at Mass. 
you know, like I'm learning from my friend Jeffrey on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And that fires us up to then tell other people. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be necessarily a formalized thing where you're going, I'm going to go meet so-and-so at a coffee shop or a pub and, and talk to them about what the mass is all about, right? That, that's not always very effective, I don't think. But no. if, you, if you love and believe and, and, and cherish what the mass is, you know, that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna spread to others. That's going to that's gonna in, 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 imbibe you, right? And that's going to spill out to others if you love the faith, right? So we got to get people loving the faith so they can then go out and, and just naturally share that with others, right? Yeah. The, the, one, the one thing that I, I didn't see for so long were Catholics who were living the faith, right? And if I had seen those Catholics, I would have become Catholic, I think, a lot sooner, and I'm going to key in on that word see. We, we need to evangelize with our actions, right? And you're saying if you had seen someone who loved their faith or had seen someone living out their faith, seen someone showing that love for the Eucharist and showing that love for the Mass, that would draw you in that much sooner. And we need to do that. again. People will watch you before they listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll watch you to decide whether they want to listen to you. Yeah, right. that's so true. Because you know what? Two, two things stand out for me, right? When I first became Christian, from non-religion to Christian, it was my best friend who really drew me in. And we had never talked about it. We'd, we'd known since we were two years old. We had never talked about our fa- his faith ever. But I knew because he was busy on Sundays, Sunday mornings. We couldn't hang out. We couldn't get together. Couldn't do a sleepover as teens on a Saturday because he was busy on Sunday going to church. He never evangelized me outright. He never said to me, hey, here's the gospel. Here's the way to become Christian. Here's how you become whatever. He never did. But him living, when it was time for me to ask those questions, I went to him. Yeah, right? Exactly. And I think of those guys, the, the, the guys praying the rosary in in this church downtown Kitchener that drew me into becoming catholic i saw these guys praying the rosary on their knees right these these different yeah, guys yeah i thought wow that is that is powerful right and what and what you know this growing up where, where i grew up what drew me away from the catholic faith i was i was a bit of a punk rocker in my in my teenage years robert okay and 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 it was always the the catholic kids who come to the punk shows in their uniforms after after school on a friday it's always those guys who are the heaviest partiers, right? Who knew where to find the best stuff and who knew yeah. who, who, who smoked out back and were drinking in the parking lot illegally. I could probably give you a few names right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> I won't. I won't give you any names. Yeah. Now, once we stop recording, we can yeah. talk about that. But we'll, we'll swap friend groups. But it was it was that that right when I was when I was looking into faith as so a teenager. I'm well. These guys aren't. These guys got nothing going on here. They're not Christians. They're not. They're not living the faith out, right? And for a long time, I carried that perspective, that, those kind of prejudices that I learned back then from those guys, forward for a long time. So the Catholic Church wasn't a live option, right? I, I have to admit, you know, for me in high school, I, I wasn't necessarily was, wasn't. the one at the punk rock <laughs> concert or, or finding all of that stuff. But the wheels did fall off. And yeah. I would have been the one that you would have maybe looked at and seen, yeah. oh, this is the way he's living and he's supposed to yeah. be the Catholic <laughs> in the group. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Right. And so I would say I'm not a convert. I'm a cradle Catholic, but I'm a bit of a revert, I guess is the, the best way to, to say that. So you bring all of this together and you know, again, thanks be to God. 
you are intentional with your evangelization and you have been called to be a little more out there with Christ's final commandment to go forth and make disciples of all nations. So how can listeners of the Pines and Pews podcast who want to take their faith to the next level, who want to step it up a notch, who want to dig deeper into the faith, where will they find the Cordial Catholic? All right. Well, it's on podcasts everywhere that podcasts are, are found uh, at the Cordial Catholic. It's also on YouTube. I began filming um, about a year and a, about a year, uh, eight months or so ago, um, filming for YouTube as well. So it's also on YouTube. Um, type in the Cordial Catholic or go to youtube.com slash the Cordial Catholic and you'll find it there. And uh, all the episodes are, you know, are on podcasts. I have a website, which is the Cordial where I put show notes and stuff too. And occasionally blogs still. I, I started off blogging in 2014, but but, but uh, blogs began to kind of shift away from the attention of people. And so the podcast has kind of replaced that. But uh, they can still find some blogs and, and all the episodes and show notes there uh, as well. And I'm on social media everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, at uh, Cordial Catholic. But uh, and I, and yeah. I think that's where I, I came across you. I can't do TikTok yet. I don't understand how TikTok quite works, but... Uh, I think I'm too old. I, I was going to say, and, and uh, if you're too old for TikTok, I, mean, I <laughs> might as well not even bother thinking about it, right? It's, uh, oh, what's a TikTok? Exactly. That's what the clock does. And then the yeah. cuckoo comes out. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My glass is just about empty, which is always a sign that it's been a, a great conversation and that the time has, has flown by. Thank you so much for taking the time out on a, a very busy week. It's our first week back. So I, I know I'm happy you had a voice for this evening. I'm happy I had a voice for this evening. <laughs> so it, it was great having you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a real pleasure. It's fun to be on this side of the, uh, the, the microphone or the table, right? Where I'm not having to ask the questions, but answer them. It's always a lot of fun and fantastic beer to, to enjoy with you and, and great company. So thank you so much for yeah. having me. Yeah, no, it, it was great. Like I, said, I thought I already knew you, but I, I learned so much more as well through our, our conversation. And the, the conversation was great. Like you said, the, the old flame pints were great. You discovered a new one, the Raven, right? I had the, our, our stalwart red. I have to say that normally uh, only brunette is allowed in the house, but uh, <laughs> we won't go any, any further than that. But it was also such a, a great pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith as well. And so just before we wrap up the podcast, I want to ask one quick favor of our listeners here at the Pines and Pews, that if they could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on their favorite platform and give us a review because that's what will help others find the Pints and Pews podcast and through us other great podcasts like the Cordial Catholic. And while you're at it, if you can give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line and join the conversation and hopefully God willing, we'll be able to chat again soon. But until then, I ask that our listeners remember the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. <laughs>